morning, friends. How we all doing? Hey, there's a special day today. Happy Mother's Day. You'll notice there's candy all around you. Dudes, don't eat it. Females, that's for you, all right? They're all yours. All this candy's got to go, all right? You can take a seat, grab all the candy. Literally, pockets full of candy. That's what you need to take home, okay? Yeah, no candy should be left after this service, okay? It's all going with you. All right, so happy Mother's Day to you moms out there. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life. Just welcome to church this morning. And uh, we're going to do something a little special, a little different right now. So if you're a regular attender, this is unregular. If you're a new, new visitor this morning to Radiant Life, this is unregular. But uh, we want to do what we call our child dedication. Uh, for those families that signed up for, to dedicate their children or their infants on stage. So if you are here, you've signed up, you are ready for child dedication, will you make your way up on the stage? And then you can stand behind me, but you can make your way now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got little, little ones. And then you guys can come on up. Yeah, Russell, you got to come up too. Stand up behind me. Where's our squeaker shoes today? I want to read something from uh, the Older Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And this is for you, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. One of the things that I love, absolutely love about this verse, guys, is that um, it says you impress them on your children. There's no greater influencer on your kids' lives is, than you. And the church, statistically, we have them for one hour a week. That's if you come every week. And if you get them here on Wednesday nights, and we have your kids for about two and a half hours all week. They spend more time with you guys than they do here at the church. So you all are the primary faith influencer of your kids' lives. As Radiant Life, we want to come along and partner with you guys in every way possible to help. So one day we can see these kids' numbers be put on the back, and we can celebrate baptism because these kids have surrendered their lives to Jesus. Mom and Dad, I'm going to ask you guys four questions, and then will you, at the end, respond with, we will. Will you choose this day to live with the commands of God on your own hearts? Do you accept the responsibility as your child's primary faith influencer to impress the truth in love of God on your child as you live life together? Will you love this child with unconditional love of Jesus 
Will you pray for them to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And if you do, will you please respond? We will. Radiant Life. This is a journey that they have to endeavor. It's a journey that we are going to walk alongside them as well. Don't worry, I'll be done in a minute. So Radiant Life, will you partner with these parents by praying for them as they lead their children spiritually? Will you partner with these parents by teaching their children at church in a modeling a Christ-like lifestyle in support of what the parents are teaching and modeling? And if we as a church will embody this, will you say, we do? All right, now comes the fun part. All right, we're going to start on my right. Oh, baby, all four of them, right? Okay, you got to say the kids' names, all of them. Jamie, Jamie. Myla, Hunter. Do you like me, Hunter? Yeah, yeah, they're right here again, buddy. He gave me the number one, too. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Now, is any of your kids named after family members? Hunter, you're the only dude? What do you think of all these girls in your family? You like it? You're like, ah, I don't know. All right, I'm going to pray for the Pischel family, for, the, um, for Chris and all the kids. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask and dedicate all these kids in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, that you would just empower these kids at such a young age. God, I pray as parents model this Christ-like behavior, that as the kids grow up in the home, that they would see your love pour all throughout their family. And God, I just pray, as I said earlier, that one day these kids would grow to know you and that we can celebrate their faith, that they, just, and they take that step in living for you, Jesus. I pray, God, that when times are tough, I pray for just your wisdom and your power. It's never easy to parent, but God, we have the perfect example of what a great parent looks like, and that's you. So Father, I dedicate all the kids in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God. I pray for awesome, awesome blessings as they grow up to love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Is it just him? Hi, buddy. You got the stare down, Elliot. Is, is Elliot named after someone? With Grandpa. Hey, buddy. Can I pray for you? Yeah? No? Yeah? All right, let's pray for Elliot. You just love my hand, don't you? Huh? God, I just dedicate Elliot to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I pray as parents parent them, God, as I prayed earlier, will they just, will Elliot grow up to see a godly dad and a godly mother? I pray that we celebrate his faith in you. I pray as Elliot grows up, he finds his purpose, why you created him. Pray for wisdom, pray for power, I pray for your Holy Spirit in a supernatural way that it would just fall upon Elliot. 
And that, man, maybe he's going to be in ministry one time. Maybe he's going to solve all the world's problems. We don't know. But, Father, I pray for something awesome in his life. I pray that the Holy Spirit is pursuing him even at such a young age. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Sorry, buddy. I got to go. I'm going. <laughs> oh, we got to talk quietly now. All right. Who's this? Gabriel. And when was he born? Like a month ago? April 3rd. So, little boy. Hey, buddy. Is he named after anyone? Middle name with daddy. Oh, he is so little. Aren't you? He's like, get this over with. Hurry up. All right, let's pray. let's pray for Gabriel. Heavenly Father, I dedicate Gabriel in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I pray at such a young little age, God, that you would just comfort him. I pray for mom and dad that you would give them peace as they endeavor on their very first child together. I pray you give them wisdom in how to parent. Um, it's a whole different ballgame now that all of a sudden child number one has come into the world. But God, I just pray as he grows up that his faith and trust is surrendered to you and that he would live for you, not of anything of this world, but he would surrender his life to you. And I pray, God, that one day we do get to celebrate that here at Radiant Life with mom and dad and the rest of their family. So Father, will you bless him? Will you guide him as he grows up and matures into a young man? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I put him to sleep. Both? Him? Hey, buddy! I would totally play on the stairs, too. Hey, can, you, can I hold you on my shoulders? I will give you candy, too, as long as mom says okay. Or I'll just slide in under the table when she's not looking. You want to do that? Yeah, all right. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, you're light. Man, this is like half of my child. There you go, buddy. What's his name? Lucas. Lucas. It's in. But we're just doing him? Hey, can you both? Can you wave to them? <laughs> Are you smiling? I don't even know if you said yes or no. Colton and Lucas, how are you guys doing? You guys going to get some candy, though? Yeah? All right, I'll let you get some. Well, again, ask mom first, okay? All right, can I pray for you guys? All right, I'm going to, can I have this hand? There you go. I'm going to hold this hand, so you're good. Just, you can touch my hair. It only took me 15 minutes, but there you go. <laughs> hey, let's pray for Lucas and Colton. Father God, I just dedicate Lucas and Colton to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I pray that these boys would love you. I pray that they would put you first in their lives. I pray that they would just turn to their family in time of need. I pray that the Jesus lifestyle would just be lived throughout this home. God, will you bless them? Um, boys have a ton of energy, and uh, God, I'm sure you knew that when Jesus was a kid. <laughs> And I just pray for a special blessing, a special anointing on their lives. And once again, I do pray that they would surrender their lives, find their purpose. God, you created them. You knit them together in their mom's womb. I just pray a special blessing upon them, an anointing. Will you just go before them and may they follow you. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, buddy, can I get you down? I've never done this before. Ready? Whoosh.
There you go, buddy. All right, we got a special gift for you guys. Um, and uh, Brandon's going to hand it out. It's, can I have one of these books to show the congregation? It's just a little quick thing. It's called Praying Circles Around Your Children by Pastor Mark Batterson. It's just a quick read. I think it's one of the best things that we can give our kids and our grandkids and nieces and nephews is prayer. And this is just a great uh, little pamphlet for them. It's a short read. Um, so when you're doing things in the bathroom, this is a great toilet read. Oh, we all have those. You know, you know the magazines behind your toilet. This is a great easy read, though. It's awesome, all right? Great thing to empower you guys. But uh, hey, can we give the parents one more hand? Thanks, guys, for coming up. I'm going to... Thanks for holding her. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's candy time. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Brandon. I'm really glad that you're here. If you come all the time, like, it's awesome to be together. If you're visiting us this morning, like, I'm really glad you're here. Even if it was, like, the person, like, dragged you here, like, I'm, I'm glad you're here, not just because I'm supposed to say that. Hey, a couple quick announcements. First of all, happy Mother's Day. That's awesome. How many people know a mom? Okay, yeah, you guys did way better than first service. There's, like, three people. It's like, Really? Uh, so great job. Hey, uh, moms, grab that chocolate, put it in your purse, and it's at that afternoon where you just need to lock yourself in the bathroom for a couple moments. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Grab that little piece of chocolate, just kind of zone back in. If you're a guy and you grab the chocolates, wow. What did you just do? Did he just spray me? Uh, so if you're a guy and you have the chocolate and it's melting in your pocket, good. Uh, no, seriously, there should be zero chocolate left in this place when we leave, all right? But seriously, happy Mother's Day. I was reflecting, um, Josh, uh, JB was sharing, you know, about going to the zoo and the lion. And my mom's been passed away since 2004, but man, I still have memories of my mom taking me to the zoo and stuff. So, Maybe you're in the same boat as me and your mom's not with us anymore. Like, just really think about those positive thoughts that we had with our moms. But happy Mother's Day. Hey, uh, church conference is coming up uh, next Sunday. Yeah, it's next Sunday. And um, it's going to be right after this service. There'll be snacks, so you don't have to bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, we'll have some snacks and stuff. And basically, it's to kind of go over where we've been, but what's awesome is to kind of maybe talk about what's on the horizon. That's really exciting. I really get fired up about those sort of things. And then uh, there'll be some church business kind of stuff about um, getting uh, voting on new board members and stuff. And we have a board that helps keep our pastor accountable. So there's a lot of checks and balances that go into, which is one thing that I really love about our church. Also, a Radiant Kids Camp. It's right on the horizon. I'm really excited about this. It's a Narnia theme. 
we've already been reading the books with our girls, and we already watched the first movie with the girls, and they're really excited about it. So maybe that's a little hint for you guys if your kids aren't sure what Narnia is all about. But as you exit and go to the right, there's a sign-up table for registration and stuff for your kids, but there's also a volunteer sign-up. And then there's a board that has these little pieces of paper on it. And it's everything from glue sticks to, like, little styrofoam boards and stuff. It's just supplies that we need for the camp. So maybe think about grab one of those cards, go purchase whatever that item is on the paper, and then just set it underneath the table out there as you exit to the right. Okay? We have a little video here for you moms. So why don't you get Natalie for Mother's Day? Well, nothing yet. You know it's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Oh, we have this thing. I take Hayden to the drugstore. He picks out something he thinks his mom would like. <laughs> so cute. You should see her face when she opens those gifts. So last year, I got batteries and... What is that? No idea. But I love the expressions that they make when they think that I'm using the gifts that they bought me. She loves that thing. And you know the best part? Drugstores open 24 hours a day. Hey, buddy, wake up. We gotta go shopping. You forgot Mother's Day again, didn't you? Mine's a little more complicated. Unfortunately, I married into her family's long tradition of epic Mother's Day gifts. Bill, a new car? And now Mother's Day just makes me sweat. A diamond tennis bracelet? She doesn't even play tennis. France? France! Man, you really overthink this Mother's Day thing. I had a really great idea for Mother's Day this year. Daniel was gonna make this great card, then the glue spilled, and the glitter spilled, and it spilled all over the dog, and that dog will never be the same. And as much as I try to explain to Dave that my father's just making up for years of being absent, but he still completely stresses over Mother's Day. And then, then I just panicked. I ended up buying her an eat weeder, a feed weeder. Weed eater? She likes to garden. I cannot give my wife something that eats weeds. Why can't I stop sweating? Calm down, my man. Hello? Just think of a gift that reflects who she is as a mother. That's a problem. There is not a gift out there that would even come close to show her what an amazing mom she is. What kind of gift says... No, no! Something about nail polish? Got it. Got it? I got it! <laughs> you just shot me. Oh. Mom, have you seen my... Got it. How are you? Thanks! Buddy? 
Could you tell me more about God? <sighs> you got it. <laughs> Thanks for waiting. They let me go today. But it's okay. Right. God's got this. God has blessed me and the kids, this wonderful woman. How do you wrap that up and put a bow on it? She is the gift. <laughs> hey. I heard you loud and clear. You love and appreciate me. That's all I need. No bow required. What are, you, what are you talking about? You pocket called me. <laughs> Sweaty. Oh my, no. <laughs> Hello? Hey, babe. I mean, we're still good with that whole drugstore thing we got going on, right? You still there? Well, happy Mother's Day once again to all of you ladies out there. Um, I had a conversation with my son yesterday, and uh, it didn't go as what I was hoping for it to go. And... He was in the car with me. We were making our way out, um, out of town or in town, and we, he decided to tell me, you know, moms are more awesome than dads. <laughs> I said, oh, really? It's just you and me in this van, son. I said, why is that? And he says, because I went to the store with mom, and she bought me what I wanted. And I said, and if you went to the store with me, he said, you would never buy me that. <laughs> and I said, you're right. <laughs> but hey, um, I want to say a special prayer for uh, you moms and for those that want to be moms and for those that aspire to be a mom and for whatever reasons could not. But let me, let me pray for the moms real quick before we jump in to this morning's teaching. God, you are so good. You are so great. In a room full of this number of people, we can have come from many walks of life. Some, as we said earlier, our moms have passed away. Some are still having their earthly mother. Others just always wanted to be one but never could. To those with many children themselves. God, I pray through everything that they feel this morning. I pray that they feel that they are loved by their heavenly father. I thank you, God, for being motherly to the motherless, showing what those attributes look like that perhaps some of us are missing here on earth. God, I pray for those moms and aunts and grandmas and everything else today that you would give them wisdom and power to do what you have called them to do. 
I pray, God, that they would be looked upon by their nieces and nephews, by their own kids, by their grandkids, and says, that's a godly woman. God, thank you so much for moms, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Moms, you rock. Turn to your neighbor and say, moms rock. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, say, moms rock. Hey, we are on part four of our five-part series titled Home Run Life. What game plan are you running? And next week, we wrap this thing up with a good look at, um, well, we'll get to that. But Home Run Life, we've been looking at everyone wants a home run life. No one wakes up and say, I want to strike out at life. I, don't, I just want to be purposeless in my life. We all strive for a home run life. We want it. We want success. We want things in our lives. How do we get it? And we've been putting this to an analogy of a baseball diamond. And everyone knows you start baseball at home what? Home plate or home base or whatever we call it. You got to start there. And it's always connecting with God. It's win with God. Win with who? Everything starts with God. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're kicking the tires of who this God is, you have to answer the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? And here at Home Plate, we get connected to God, get on His purpose and His power for our lives. His purpose, His power for our lives. After you connect in baseball, where do you run to first? First base, right? It's the base where we say win within. It's that character base. Allowing God, as soon as we connect with God, allowing Him to change things inside of us. This base is probably one of the most difficult bases. It's hard to know we're struggling over here and God's revealing things, and now we have to say, uh oh, I got to deal with it now. And in baseball, most people get thrown out at first base. 70% of the time, batters. When they step up to home plate, never even get on first base. And people get thrown out all the time at life with their character. And the problem for us is oftentimes we want everyone else to change around, around us and not change ourselves. God says, I got things I got to change in you first. And then we run to second base, which is win with others. Win with who? Others, it's the idea of community. It's the idea of loving one another. Last week, we unpacked this together with Jesus saying, a new command I give you. This new meant unusual, unheard of, radical command. And he says three words, love one another. Even the people that drive you crazy, that even the EGR people in your lives, those with extra grace required, you love them. And then Jesus says, and how will everyone know you're my disciple? How you love one another. We got to win with people. Love God, love, allow God to change us, love others. And then this is the base we like. It's when where you are. This is the base of success, the base of results. This is the base that the world applauds when you get there. But the problem is, the world runs the bases backwards and goes to third all the time. Because we're in a performance-driven culture. You're awarded for your success. You're rewarded for your results. And this morning, we're going to unpack what does third base really look like for you 
and for me. But I want to say one more thing about third base. The Apostle Paul, who's a follower of Jesus, that I always say he's church destroyer to church what? What I normally say, church destroyer to church planter, right? He hated the Jesus movement. He went around persecuting them. If you followed Jesus, he would vote for your execution. Went around wanted to stop this Jesus movement out, had an experience with Jesus, and went all over Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, just starting church plants all over. And he writes to the churches in Rome. We have the letter Romans, and he says in chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Telling all these first-generation believers, there's a pattern to the world, and you are not to run that pattern. But instead, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will for you, his good, pleasing, perfect will. The world runs backwards. How do we run the bases the right way as God grows us up? So this morning, we need to start with a question. And I want you to think of this question right here. How do you define success? Just think about that. How do you define success? Because from all the walks of life we are all coming from, for others it's just like, I just need to be a good mom. And I would consider myself successful if I'm a good mom. For others of us, if I start my own business and my business does well, I feel successful. For others, it may be as long as I teach in the school system and teach what I have to teach to my kids and hit all the standards and my kids pass all the tests, I'm successful. See, the world has, a, to me, and I think as followers of Jesus, maybe a, a false definition of what true success is. I think the world thinks of success as owning this. When you get to that house of your dreams, man, if I just had that house that has the wraparound porch that I can just grow old and just rock there in my rocker and just it's out in the country and that's when I know I have success is here when I accomplish the house. For others, it's I have success when I have this, that perfect family. That I find the love of my dreams. We have kids together and my kids obey me all the time. Good luck. But we want the... Per and when people look at our family, they think, are they successful or do they have a bunch of rebels running around? It's based on that. That's what the world will look at. They also base success on popularity. How many Facebook likes can I get? How many new Instagram or Twitter followers can I get? And people think this will define success in their lives, their popularity. Or this, your kids, that they are successful in all their sports that they do. The trophy child, if you will. That you put all your energy into finding success. As long as your kids are successful in your eyes, then you are successful. And we elevate our kids in our lives. But for others, success is defined by this. <laughs> See, we all want it. <laughs> it's just we've, we're set financially. Man, our bank account is so padded and it feels good and we enjoy it. And we know I'm successful in my life. 
And maybe for others, you can come up with other pictures of success, what you think the world defines success by. But there could be several other pictures up here. But I want to know, how does Jesus define success? What does success look like biblically if I'm a follower of Jesus? I want to go after that success. So if you will, turn with me to your Older Testament into the book of Ecclesiastes, and it will be on the Sky Bible for us. Grab your phone or tablet. It is turn about halfway through your Bible. You're going to land at Psalms, and then go two more books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And you'll go there, chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. But I want to set us up. The writer of Ecclesiastes is a guy by the name of King Solomon. Turn to your neighbor and say, King Solomon. They got to understand this. And then... Here's what King Solomon is. When he's writing, he's the king of Israel. King Solomon had all the wealth and riches in the world. He was one of the most wealthiest kings in the entire history of the world. And he's reigning there in Israel. And one of the things that he does is he has 700 wives. Imagine that. 300 concubines. The guy had a palace. The guy had everything. He is the wealthiest ruler that the nation of Israel has ever seen. And one of the major accomplishments that King Solomon had was the building of the temple in Jerusalem. This is an artist rendition of that. He built what his dad did not finish. And could not build. His dad was, you know him as King David. King David, the same David, that little boy that beat Goliath, grew up to become the greatest king of all of the nation of Israel has ever seen. This is his son, Solomon. He was able to build this where the Jews could come and now worship. And God has a dwelling place among his people. He built everything. Rich, wealthy, To the world, he's successful. But let's look at what he says in chapter 2, verse 4. This is him writing. I undertook great projects. And then he's going to list all these projects in his life that he took on. And he begins this way. I built houses for who? Myself and planted vineyards. Can you imagine that? I just didn't build a house. I built houses. And not just for people. I'm so rich, I built it for myself. Houses. And I planted vineyards everywhere. Those beautiful vineyards, I planted them everywhere. And he goes on. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female what? I've got so much money, I don't even have to work. I just buy all my work. And I had other slaves who were born in my house. I amassed silver and gold for who again? Myself. And the treasure of kings and provinces. I imagine Solomon had this giant room of just tons of silver and gold, and he goes in and he's like, this is all mine. It's all mine. I have it all. He continues in verse 8, I acquired male and female singers, and a harem as well, the delights of a man's 
heart. I can buy all entertainment. I can buy anything. And it's delighting my heart. He goes on in verse 9. I became what, church? Greater. Not just I became good, I became excellent. No, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself what? Nothing my eyes desired. I bought it all. I refused my heart no pleasure. It was all there for me. Everything. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. It's all here. Everything I want. And then he says, yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve. I imagine he's sitting, King Solomon is sitting here, getting ready, just sitting there going, I've had it all. Everything money could buy, everything the world would say is success in my life, I have it all. And now I'm sitting here surveying it. Everything my hands have done, everything my money has bought, Everything I worked to achieve. And then he says, everything was meaningless. I had everything. Everything you can imagine. I built it. I bought it. I had so much stuff. But when I survey everything, it's meaningless. And the term here, meaningless, is vapor. It's like a mist. You can squirt and it's gone. You see it, but it's gone. He says, everything I have is like this mist. It's like a vapor. It's there. It's gone. It's meaningless. And I had everything my eyes desired. I had it all. And then a thousand years later, Jesus is going to come on the scene. Jesus is going to come on the scene exactly a thousand years later. And Jesus, by all cultural definition of success, by cultural definition, would have been a failure. Here's why. He was poor. He was, in a sense, homeless. Meaning he didn't have his own house. He traveled as a rabbi, living with other people. He was poor. He was homeless. He washed people's feet, which was the lowest position in the first century world. Their dirty, nasty, dirt, dusty, covered feet. He washed it. He told people, you want to be great, then serve other people. He did everything with the success of his time would have said, you are not successful. And then he says, as he goes around and gets followers and gathers disciples to follow him, Jesus goes around and says, you want to follow me? Warning, people are going to hate you. And people left. A few stayed. And then he told his disciples, you're going to continue to follow me. Listen to this. You're going to have to pick up your cross every day and follow me. That does not sound real successful, Jesus. And I'm not done yet. You want to follow me? The gate's small, and the road to leading to me is very narrow. you got to wake up every day and deny yourself. 
And then Jesus, who professed this new kingdom. I'm ushering a new kingdom, not of this world. You don't even get it yet. But a new kingdom is coming, and I am the Messiah. I'm the King. I'm the Savior. I am the Son of God. I'm coming into ushering that. And all of a sudden, Jesus was denied, was spit on, was beaten, was flogged, carried his own cross, crucified, and died. Three days later, walked out of that tomb. And this is what Jesus has to say about everything the world has to offer. Just like King Solomon said a thousand years earlier, everything was meaningless in my life. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their what? So you have thousand years, King Solomon. I had everything money ever bought. I had everything my eyes wanted, everything, and it's meaningless. And then Jesus, a thousand years later, comes and says, I'm the Messiah, I'm coming, I'm the king to bring this new kingdom. What good is it for you guys to gain everything, yet forfeit your soul? I think for many of us in our lives, we have that worldly picture of success, now, there's nothing wrong in these items. I want you to hear me so clearly because I don't want you guys to walk away and say, Ryan's so against getting things. I'm not. The danger becomes when we find our purpose and our identity in these things and not in this. Do you see the difference? There are so many of us think when we achieve this, we have success in our lives. We work for this. We sacrifice and cheat time with this. We cheat our families. We're just running like the world. We're running towards third base. We're running for success and results in our lives. And we run for this and we push him aside. And we find purpose and power in our identity and happiness in this rather than the one who can give you true happiness. And if we just go and chase the things of this world and we chase it, the things of this world, such as these, will give you intense pleasure in your life. No denying it. But it will leave you completely unsatisfied. Yet the world says, this is success. This is third base. I'm telling you, Jesus says, no. Me. Why is it me? You want to know why you're already successful? Because with Jesus, uh, uh, really quick, you are not what you do. What I mean by that is you are not just that retiree, you're not just that nurse, you're not just that teacher, you're not just that factory worker, you're not just that um stay-at-home mom, you're not just that truck driver, whatever, you're not just that teacher, you are not what you do, and so many of us find our purpose and our power in what we do. What do you do for a living? That's what we ask all the time, right? How about we say, I'm a child of God first and foremost, but we always say, oh, I'm doing this, and this is what I've done. And you are not what you do, but what Jesus has done. Man, we will get so lost in the things of this world because the world applauds it. 
But I'm not that. I am not your pastor first and foremost. I am, I will do everything for God first. And if I don't, then I'm running the world backwards. And you know why you're successful with Jesus? Because you are already, as you follow Jesus, you are blessed, you are free, you are saved, you are reconciled, you are gifted, you are made new, you are forgiven, you are loved, you are adopted, you are victorious. What more in this world could you want? I will walk in victory with Jesus all day long, and I would rather just be satisfied with my small things than try to chase everything of this world. I would rather walk knowing that I'm forgiven of all my sins and I'm made new. The old creation's gone, the new's here. Then chase the things of this world. So look at this list, and I want you to just, on the count of three, we're going to say why we think we're successful. There's something on the screen that jumped out at you. You're like, that. I'm going to remember that I am free. And that's where my success comes from. All right, on the count of three, we're all just going to shout out one of these words. Are you ready? We're going to go anyways, all right? (laughs) Ready? One, two, three. Man, you're successful. Find your purpose and your identity in Jesus, not what you do. Because listen, obedience precedes blessing. Obey, and God will bless you abundantly. I promise you, obedience precedes blessing. Look all throughout God's word. When people obey, God's favor and blessing was with them. And can I just be really, really frank with you? And praise team, you can make your way up. I'm afraid as followers of Jesus, we look like the world. We run exactly the way the world runs. And we're asking God to bless our pattern for our lives. We're just trying to throw in God language to the way we are running the bases. And it's not going to work. It's not the way it's designed. So how do we battle it? And again, there's nothing wrong with things. It's the pattern and the way we go about getting them is wrong. So I want you, as you go out this next week, I want this to be just so ingrained in us. As we wake up Monday morning to that alarm clock, and we know we're hitting it five, six, seven times, I want us to know these, this. My purpose is in my creator, not my One more time, my purpose is in my creator, not my, we will find purpose in our career. Remember, you are not what you do, but what Jesus has done. Your purpose is in God first, not what we do. Because when we flip that and we say my purpose is what I do, we'll run to third base all the time. And not allow God to make us go around the bases the right way. My purpose is in my creator, not my career. So I live and work for my creator, what? first. It's not my job. Every morning I get up, it's God, I'm living and working for you first. It's all about you. My heart and prayer for all of you 
is that when we try to run the bases and we get success in our lives, it all becomes about Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do? For many of us, we are blessed beyond imagination. Maybe it's like, God, you have blessed me so much. What, how can I bless others then? Please hear me. We can surround ourselves with a bunch of things in our lives and think we're happy. We're just filling the void of only what Jesus can fill. The things in our lives are gone. But your soul has eternity. May we live for things that have eternal values, not things that we get to the end of life and say, it was meaningless. We'll close with Ted Turner. Ted Turner is the CNN mogul. I believe, I don't know if he still does on the Atlanta Braves or not. But he's a flat out, outspoken atheist. Huge success at CNN. Huge success with the Atlanta Braves. Had everything. Called Christianity a religion for losers. Called followers of Jesus a bunch of Jesus freaks. He got laid into his age and said, there's got to be more purpose in all of this. And Ted Turner had everything. He had all the wealth he wanted. And when he was interviewed, he says, what I realized in my life at this age, there's something bigger than this. And then he says, and I don't want to go to hell. Ted realized he's running the bases backwards. He thought everything was just about acquiring his wealth and success. I don't know if we'll see Ted Turner or not in heaven. I don't know if he ever will, if he surrendered his life to Jesus or not. I don't know. But he realized there's something bigger than just getting things. And can I tell you what that something bigger is? Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, you are awesome, and your name is beautiful, and there's power to your name. And I pray for all of us this morning that we, God, you know our hearts. Our hearts is success in life, but man, when we realize our identity is you, and we are free, and we are loved, and we are adopted, and made new, and we are victorious, and we are forgiven, that's success right there. And I thank you for that. I pray that we don't let things in our lives become an idol, that we make our purpose and identity out of it, but we would always turn to you and find our purpose and identity in you, Jesus. You are awesome. You are great. And we just love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a powerful name. Amen. Uh, ushers are going to come forward now to receive our offering this morning. Uh, if you're our guest, like if you're that person that 
got dragged here this morning, like you're our guest, let the plate pass you by. It's not some sort of fee for coming to church this morning. But I would encourage you, if you are a guest this morning, fill out that connection card, take it into our cafe, and you and your family can get free drinks on us. That's our treat to you for being our guest this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory this, this morning. Lord, your name is above all other names. Lord, you do mighty things in our lives. Lord, I pray that if someone's here kicking the tires this morning, that they, they literally sensed your presence this morning. Lord, for us that have been walking with you for a while, Lord, we want to honor you this morning. We want to surrender every aspect of our life to you. We don't have any skeletons in our closet. Like, we're opening them all up to you this morning. One way we want to do that this morning is to tithe to you. You don't need our money. You're not after our money. But, Lord, we want you to be first in our life. And so, Lord, we give to you. And, Lord, I am thankful for this body here who gives that they are a God-first church because of all the lives who have been changed. Lord, there's an awesome number on the back wall here, and it's just so awesome to be part of that. So, Lord, thank you for this body of believers who are God-first church. So, Lord, we give you this offering. Give us wisdom and discernment for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we spent four weeks learning how God grows us up, running around the bases the right way. Next week, we're going to wrap up our series with why I'm convinced we actually should run these bases backwards. Curveball. Hey, happy birth, not birthday, that's wrong. <laughs> happy Mother's Day to all you out there. Hey, make sure all this candy's gone. I don't want to see any more candy. Just grab it, all right? Blessings to you guys. <laughs>